Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Revival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. And when we talk about hashtag modern therapist problems, I think one of our good friends is in probably one of the most unique situations that a therapist can be in these days. Our guest today is Heather Walker-Jan. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Fresno. And the other half of her life right now is she's married to Andrew Jans, who's currently running for the House representative position in California District 22. So thank you for joining us with your modern therapist problem, Heather. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Kurt. Thank you for having me, Katie. We are so excited to have you. We are huge fans of yours because you have a lot that you're doing, a lot that's that's been yours, a lot that's gotten added to you now that that Andrew's running against. I won't say the other person's name, (laughs) not giving them any any time, but you're an activist. And you've always been an activist, but now it's kind of on a larger scale. And so I'm really interested to dig into that, but I realized I need to give you an opportunity to to introduce yourself. I did the Kurt thing where I'm like, let's go jump into the questions. (laughs) And in fact, my first question is, who are you and what are you putting out in the world? (laughs) I'm happy to answer that. So thank you for introducing me. Um, I do live in Fresno. In terms of the election, we like to call it Congressional District 22. But I'm from the Central Valley. I grew up here. I went to, to school at CSU Stanislaus and then down in Los Angeles at Cal State LA. But I've always been a helper. And really, w- who I am and what I do has developed over the years. And it, it changes every day now. Mm-hmm. But I am a therapist. So I do have that role. I have a private practice where I, I serve people here in Fresno and the Central Valley. And I do a lot of other things to touch people's lives and and try and help them. But recently, I've had to think outside the box in terms of how I do that. So because of everything going on, I've had some challenges with time. So (laughs) I've been trying to develop new ways of helping people where I don't have to worry about time. So I'm also developing a platform to try and help young people with life skills. So I'm putting out uh, courses through that. It's called Help Yourself University. And I have an association that I'm a part of. It's the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists. And in the local chapter, I'm serving as president. So I try and lead and take action in our local chapter to help others and advocate for issues related to mental health. But then I also support my husband, Andrew Jans, in the campaign to to hopefully make a difference in this community and bring attention to issues that are important to the people locally here. 
And anytime the therapist can get involved politically, we really do support that. In fact, when I had originally met Heather was not in California, but in Washington, D.C., on one of the lobbying trips that we had gone out to work on getting Medicare reimbursement for MFTs and PCCs. Being so politically involved, and especially now in the way that you are and with Andrew's campaign, how are you seeing the impact of that in your practice? That you're you're very obviously out as Democrats right now. You're probably in a community that has traditionally been very Republican. I'm wondering how that affects how your clients are talking to you in session, how you go out marketing yourself. Are you missing other networking opportunities that you had before? How is this particular time in your life affecting your practice? These are great questions. The impact has been really amazing. There have definitely been challenges and there have been great things about it. In terms of speaking of the challenges, there was a lot of thinking through and even some anxiety about how are my clients going to react and how will they feel about this. But it's actually been to many of my clients, and at least when they talk to me, it's been empowering because I'm able to model for them what I've been teaching in in treatment in terms of communication skills, assertiveness, using your voice. And so I'm no longer the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. They're not wondering like <laughs> if I'm actually practicing what I'm preaching and and if I really believe what's coming out of my mouth, they know what I do in my personal time. So I think that it, it's allowed some of my clients to actually be more open and honest in therapy. They've been willing to disclose things that they may have been hesitant to before. And they're no longer afraid that I might have some judgments or because of my privilege that I don't understand what their struggles are. Because outside of the therapy room, I am talking about their struggles and advocating for their struggles. So they they come back really excited to do their own work with me because they know that I represent what they care about. So that's been really great. In terms of challenges, that obviously I, I'm going to be working with families that have different opinions and political views. And we've talked about that. You know, I've been able to say sometimes that may distract from what we're working on in therapy. And if you become uncomfortable at any point, let me know. And we can we can talk about how to problem solve that in the session. We can talk about referrals if you feel like you need to work with someone else. But I haven't actually had families leave, which has been wonderful. And I think what I've learned from it is we can look past the partisan views and still work on specific goals, despite our differences or disagreements with certain issues. Did you find that that was different with people that you had longer standing relationships with versus newer clients? Because it seems like being able to have those deeper conversations about, hey, you don't have to vote for my husband. <laughs> you, you know, we have different political opinions, but that's not gonna that's not gonna impact our work. It seems like with a newer client, that might be a harder sell. Whether whether whereas with a longer term client, it seems like the relationship would be strong enough to hold that. I don't know if this is relevant at all. You're, but you're right, Katie. Um, it it, ha- it was a lot easier to talk about that with clients who have been with me for a long time. So. Those that have been with me even like for a year or more, they're, they were able to say, well, you know, we do good work and we're looking at that. 
But newer clients, it's really been a conversation that happens at the beginning during an initial evaluation. And I've always had office policies that talk about interactions outside of therapy, dual relationships, and how that can either enhance or distract from therapy. So I'm able to say very specifically, I will likely see you in the community. I am online marketing, advocating, speaking about issues. If you are uncomfortable with this, please let me know at this point. That way we could talk about the right fit for you. I haven't had anyone say, well, that, you know, I don't like that and I'm leaving. So that that's been good. But I I also wonder sometimes, do, do people not call me because they know what I represent or where I come from? But I had more clients or parents of clients call me and say, I know that you support gay rights. I know that you support immigrants. So we want to come to you, which has been really cool. For that line of maybe wondering about you being politically out about maybe some of these controversial issues, gay rights or immigrant issues in the broader community, how have you wrestled with that personally as far as being okay with your values being so broadcast out there? It contradicts a lot of what I learned in, at least in undergrad and grad school, I think I was a little more prepared to, to be genuine with who I am as a person and as a therapist. So I'm no longer allowed to, to be not knowing before it was don't have a a Facebook or a Twitter account or an Instagram because your clients will see you on it. They'll know about you. They'll know who your husband is and who your, who your family is and and that's not okay. But from this experience, I don't have a choice in that. Mm-hmm. People are going to know who I am. My picture is in their mailbox at home. <laughs> and so they're going to know who I am. And so I can't, I can't hide from that. And I've been able to learn that it's helped the relationships. They actually can trust who I am. And we assume that all of our clients are going to be irresponsible and start commenting on our things or stalking us. And that's just not the reality. Most people want to do good as well and aren't crossing that boundary line. And if someone's going to cross a boundary line, they're going to do it regardless if they know what your social media account is or not. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of the the laws and ethics or old ideas around how we should behave around dual relationships, about public persona, 
I think it really comes from this place of our clients, like you said, being irresponsible or being people we have to take care of. But I know for myself, I'm a therapist and I'm a client, you know, granted it makes me a unique client, but I think there's that piece of why would I do that? Like, why do I need to be taken care of in that way as a client? And I think it's because it's this assumption, you know, I think there's, there's a stigma around it. There's this idea that, you know, people seeking treatment somehow need extra care. And I think that's not necessarily true. I think certainly there's mm-hmm. clients that we're going to have to be cautious about. And, and that's a question I have is, is kind of how you determine at this point, if you're screening someone in or out, if they can kind of manage this, mm-hmm. this type of, yeah, for lack of a better phrase, dual relationship. But I think it's, it's something where in any profession, in any arena of life, there's going to be people who cross lines and boundaries. And as therapists, we need to do our best. But I don't think that, that we need to pretend that all, we don't need to infantilize the client population all the way across. They can handle this stuff. They're interacting with this stuff. Oftentimes, at least for me, most of my clients are better at navigating social media than I am. So yes. <laughs> yes. they know more you know, what, what that's about than I am. But, but let me get to the question, which is at this point, I think you're probably, you know, your time is pretty limited. So you're probably not taking in a whole lot of clients, but, mm-hmm. but if you take in a client, how do you, how do you do that screening? How do you determine if they could navigate this? Because your activism is very visible mm-hmm. and and your views are very visible and and you are very visible. So how do you navigate that? How do you determine if they can deal with it? Well, in the initial evaluation, when I'm talking about office policies and how, how I'm out there, I let them know like your confidentiality is important and we want to protect that. We want to protect the the process that you're engaging in when you're in treatment. So I don't want you to be commenting on my social media. I don't want you to leave me reviews. I don't want you to have to defend me if someone on Twitter is attacking me or my husband. And most of them will say, oh, oh yes, okay, I understand that. But with the exception of maybe one or two people where they're confused and they're like, no, but they seem very sensationalized about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then I know that it's not a good fit and I have to let them know that I, I am not able to help them because it would be too distracting to the treatment and then I may refer out. And that's a judgment call we have to make based on you know all of the supervised training we've gotten. Yeah, yeah. The, the sensationalized piece, I just was thinking about the, the notion that our clients have confidentiality, but you don't and you're on a national stage. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And so has that impacted the way you do the clinical work? Because oftentimes, not that you're over-disclosing or that kind of stuff, but theoretically sensationalized clients, which it sounds like you've ruled out, could theoretically start disclosing what was going on in sessions and your personal opinions and all of those things and try to find some way to do that. Is that a, is that a fear? How do, has it impacted you at all? I have to be genuine myself and have my own values and... So I know that as long as I'm conducting myself, I would conduct myself the same in session as I would on stage somewhere else. So I am just as genuine as I can be inside and out. And if they were to, do, to talk about what we say in session, I'm okay with that. What's been the most surprising thing that's come up during this election process? This is a, a difficult question because it, there's something new every day. But I would say... Therapeutically, the surprising part was how excited 
clients got around it, how much more they were committed to the work and showing up and really appreciating that I was still here despite the campaign going on because a lot of them said, well, what's going to happen? Are you going to, are you going to cut me out? Are you going to stop doing therapy? Uh, and when I'm here, when they know the night before I've been on TV or I've been traveling or I'm rallying at the border and then I'm in session the next day, they really appreciate it. And I think we've been able to do a lot of good work that way. That's so awesome. There's been other surprises too. I think in terms of, you know, campaigns get dirty. There's mudslinging. There's a lot of things that are that are just not true that are said. So I did have fears and anxiety about what other candidates would say about my husband. And, and surprisingly, I, I was attacked at, just as a spouse. And so I did worry about that and how it, it would impact my work. But uh, my clients still showed up and they said, you know, I just don't, I just don't believe that based on the work that we do. They've, some of them feel like they do have to defend me. And I just remind them that they absolutely should not and, and do not have to do that because this work is about them and not me. And I have my own supports in place and I do let them know I have my own supports in place, my own groups, my own therapist who will help me work through those things. So my clients do not have to worry about that responsibility for me. I would think that would be hard. I just think about the relationship and that a lot of clients have with their therapist. And I could see just really wanting to defend you. And so it sounds like you're handling it really well. And and, you. and you've given them the confidence to say, okay, well, she's got this. I don't need to worry about it. But it definitely brings something else in the room. You mm-hmm. know, they do see you at the border rally, they do see you, you know, on TV, and then you're in the room, or, or they see the attacks. And, and I, I have to imagine that it does take up some clinical time. Is there cl- clinical relevance in that stuff? Like, like, how does that I mean, obviously, it's individualized, but but when you start talking about those things, how are you able to kind of turn that back into clinically relevant material? Well, you know what I am? I am pretty rigid with my boundaries and talking about the uh, election and treatment. So typically, and my clients just, they sense that and they know it. So they'll bring it up right before session or at the end of the session as, as they're leaving. There was something that came up outside of session related to the campaign. But if it does come up in session and, it, you know, once or twice it has, I have turned it back to say, you know, how does this how does it impact you? And, you know, how can we work on it so that it's not so much? <laughs> and, and we do tur- we do turn it back into why does it bother them? What's going on personally for them? It'd be just like when your clients say, you know, they ask you, do you have kids? You know, mm-hmm. Are you married? It's the same thing. But this is about a very specific politically related issue. <laughs> well, and it seems like you know, just the entire political stage right now in in America overall, but especially with Andrew's opponent being so prominent on the national stage that it's it's a very interesting congressional race. And we're not even in your district. The (laughs) atmosphere around and locally, I, I have to imagine, is probably very exciting for a lot of people and a lot of clients in this situation as well. You know, I'm so glad to hear that not only are you 
operating so genuinely, which is what Katie and I talk about all the time on the show, but that you've proactively found your support systems and that you've really been able to have your outlets through the, throughout this entire process. When in Andrew's decision to run, did you think, I need to have these things in place? Well, luckily, a lot of them were already there. And it, it you know, I already had camp in place. I already had consultation groups I was attending. I had colleagues that I consult with. So that was wonderful. But immediately I knew there was an issue in terms of managing time. And so I did seek out my own business coach. Uh, I did let the cam- like talk to the campaign about you know how much do I need to show up for you so that I know what I can commit to in my own practice and in my own work. So it was Uh, very early on. But I think, you know, personally, I had a medical issue that came up just a little after the campaign, where I was forced to take some time off that I didn't plan to and I didn't want to take off. So I learned that I had to let go of some things. And somebody told me that, although I want to do it all, I don't have to do it all right now. So there are some projects that I really wanted to get done. And I wanted to do it all right then. But not everything has to get done right now. So that seems very wise. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, uh, Katie Vernoy told me that. <laughs> and it, it really has helped me to prioritize things. And I, I have recognized that I could see 40 clients in my practice, but the work that I can do with a campaign, the platform I've been put on to use my voice will make a significant difference for a mass amount of people in a short amount of time. And so I really need to spend my evenings and weekends doing that. That's a lot. I mean, I just think about everything on your plate and that's a lot. And I think it's something where I know you've sought out the support, but I think that there's there's a lot that, that you're doing that requires you to be on, to be present, to be presentable. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much. And I, I think, you know, many people in campaigns end up very run down. They get medical issues, that kind of stuff. What are you doing to take care of yourself? How are you making sure that you're functioning in all cylinders, that you're able to go down and rally at the border and then come back and have a session the next day? Like, what? how, how are you managing that? I'll be honest that it's always a struggle. But I have to check in with other people. I have to check in with my own supports and problem solve what what has been a struggle for me so that it doesn't continue to. I had to learn to say no. And that is so hard for me as a helper. And I think it's something that a lot of therapists struggle with is to say no to things. So I had to learn to say no or to delegate. And I definitely um, have had to delegate in terms of my local chapter, in terms of my practice, I've had to delegate things. When I volunteered to be on the committee for Women's March, there were there were things that I had to delegate in order to achieve. I learned I could not do it all myself or I wouldn't be around very long. If there's anybody who's considering you know, running for office who's a therapist already, or if they're in a position like you are where it's a spouse who's running, what advice do you have for them that you've learned along the way that was just kind of one of those things where, oh, I wish somebody would have told me this. Well, I think the the most important thing is you don't want to wait around for the right time. You don't want to to wait and see if somebody else better steps up and does it because that that's just not going to happen. If you care about something, you need to step up. And even if you don't know everything about it, 
there will be people to help you along the way. So you need to just step up and speak out and try and do it because nobody else is going to do this for us. You know, I, I got into the field and even in my association, in our association, and I thought, well, what are my mentors? What are, what are the older therapists going to do for us? When are they going to take care of this issue? Or, you know, they're supposed to be teaching me. No, that's not the case. We are, we are learning ourselves. We have to step up ourselves. I was watching my clinical supervisor down in Cal State LA. She was doing a, she was on someone's YouTube channel and talking about the problems of uh, how young people communicate mostly online and how that's going to create issues later on. And the, the interview or interviewer asked her, well, what are you going to do about it? You're a therapist. And she said, well, I'm going to retire and travel. You guys need to figure this out. So wow. <laughs> I just, you know, what I'm learning is we just have to step up. We can't wait until we're older, more experienced, more wise. You just need to step up and ask questions so that you can get yourself out there. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So the, the message is use your voice. Use your voice. <laughs> Which it sounds like step up and use your voice. I love that because I think so often as therapists, we are disempowered in the messages we receive about the blank slate, about how we must present ourselves in public arenas. And I think that's shifting. I hope that's shifting. But I think being able to navigate it so successfully with such a big voice, because I mean, your voice is big right now. You're able to really say a lot right now. And being able to navigate that successfully with a full private practice yes. <laughs> is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, it's so inspiring, I think, because I think so many people will like, well, if I go to that march, if, if, what if somebody sees me? And it's like, well, you you went to the march before the campaign and now you go to the march and you get filmed or you know put on TV about being at the march. you know, And so you can't hide that anymore. Saying like, hey, it's okay to step up. Your clients will find you. Your clients will, will be able to do the work. I think it can be very empowering because there's so many therapists who have a lot of strong feelings about what's going on right now. And you're saying it's okay. Be a therapist, be an activist. You can do it. Yes. It. It, it gives your clients hope. The people that I work with, when they complain about something like they can't pay their medical bills or they've just lost their insurance and they're very upset. And I tell them, you know, call your congressman, write a letter. And before it would be like, well, why does that matter? What's that going to change? Or they don't even answer the phone. So who cares? But they see that taking action actually brings attention to the issue. And they, they believe that if they do it, it does matter. So the, the fact that we are advocates in the field will help our clients to really believe that they can do it themselves too. And through some of my advocacy work, and I'm sure that Heather can expand on this too, is the first step is just show up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on a national stage like this. It can be locally. It can be within even your local therapist chapter. Showing up is usually the first step to creating change. But it's also been very surprising to me as my advocacy and getting involved with legislators at higher and higher levels is that 
they're people, at least most of them. Um, some <laughs> of, <laughs> but most of them are people who listen and who will at least be respectful, if not take in a different perspective. And I think in all of the mudslinging that does happen as far as elections and campaigning goes is that when it actually does get to the the legislative process if it's on a government level is that it's interacting with staff people who are people and are oftentimes the ones who make things happen too and that's where showing up can really happen too yes it's been uh the magical part about this campaign is that i've been able to sit and have meals with leaders staffers senators congressmen and women on a very personal level. And when they ask me who I am and what I do, I don't just say, well, I'm Andrew's wife. You know, I get to tell <laughs> them about my work and the communities and the people that I work with and the issues that they care about. And I've been asked by, you know, by a congressman, well, why do you think there, there's such a mental health problem in the Central Valley? What issues are contributing to that? And I get to to share my my expertise and opinion about what's affecting the people here. And you know what? I had that congressman's ear for a certain amount of time, and he will remember what the Valley needs and consider that when they're making decisions. And it's really, really cool. And I think that's really important because I think too often therapists don't necessarily understand or really fully comprehend how much we are experts in the issues that that our communities face. I mean, we're listening to anywhere from 10 to 40 people a week talking about the real problems that they face. And I think being able to take some advocacy stand, whether it's for mental health, whether it's for other specific issues, we're experts. You know, we have master's or doctoral degrees. We have so much information and we have, a, we have you know, not personal stories that we can tell, but we have the depth of understanding that a lot of people don't have. And so to use that as, you know, to say, yes, I have something to contribute is really important to recognize that and to be willing to step up and deal with the complexity of having your voice out there and your views out there. I think it's, it's such a, a neat, important message. And I'm glad you're, <laughs> you're living that, that you're walking that, that talk. Yes. And I hope that more therapists do step up. I think it would be beneficial to have helpers and people from the mental health field to, to be in other leadership positions so that we can make a difference. So this might be a little bit premature with everything going on with Andrew's campaign right now, but is running for office on your horizon? <laughs> you know what? It, it was not, but I, I've been asked that a lot. And I, I've been asked about city council positions and mayor. It's really interesting. So you know what, I, I'm just going to do the work that I can right now to the best of my ability. And we'll see what happens. That's funny, because I think uh, we've had a conversation offline about that. And it's it's interesting that because you're that you are such a leader, and you're so well spoken that that becomes the obvious choice. And so I, I do hope you consider it over time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, our guest today is Heather Walker-Jans. Where can people find out more information about you and your practice? 
I have a website. It's www.heatherjans.com. And there are links to my other uh, projects there, my Jans Therapy website and my Help Yourself University website, as well as Andrew Jans for Congress website. So (laughs) heatherjans.com. And we'll include links in our show notes to all of that. And you can find that on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. While you're there, you can click on over to our conferences tab and see our Therapy Reimagined 2018 conference. Heather's actually going to be there talking about being an advocate and in the mental health world. And that's going to be in Los Angeles here in October 2018. And our platinum sponsor is Simple Practice for that. And so until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Heather Walker-Jans. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.